You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So with the news finally slowing down, uh, we can step away from the NFC North scramble, which I feel like we've been doing for a week straight because there's always been new things going on, and get a little bit caught up on the backlog, and um, maybe a little of this might seem, it shouldn't really seem old. It's the off season. we're just talking about stuff. But the questions are definitely uh, somewhat aged. With that, I can't really guarantee there's going to be any real flow to this kind of episode. It's just going to be, you know, one point and then completely random other topic. Because it's been, it's like the one thing that got left over from this show, and then there was two things that got left over from that one, and it's just going to be a little stitched together mishmash of glory. As well as several questions, and I need to update this because Facebook is getting kind of crazy. Lots of new questions, but I'm going to get to some of the older ones. Hopefully rip through a bunch of these so we can get updated on that. Anyways, that's what we're doing. Make sure you are in the Facebook group. Make sure you like the Facebook page. An iTunes or Stitcher rating and review would be greatly appreciated, or anywhere else that you think you can go ahead and find out a place to do that. Just to let the people know, you know. If and you'd like to support the show, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is a place that you can support for as little as a buck a month. As a reminder, we are doing a giveaway every month. I'm sure we're not going to hit our mark this month. Um, with this pesky little virus, there has not been a single donation since, and I completely understand why. So I'm going to keep throwing it out there as an option if you like to. But um, needless to say, I don't expect any donations in the near future, and that's fine. Makes me a little sad, but I'll get over it. But I still plan on doing the giveaways, as I said, unless we hit the next month and everybody just drops off of Patreon, in which case we're going to go ahead and put an end to that just real quick because I'm not in the business of just giving things away and losing money. This is, <laughs> this is a thank you for giving money, not a uh, charity. So we'll see how it goes. But for this month, as a thank you, we're going to be doing a draft guide. It will not be PFF unless there's just a flurry of donations in the next couple days or the next week or so. But we'll figure out something else, some other kind of a draft guide for you to peruse. Otherwise, while we're all sitting here quarantined, and apparently, uh, although I have no idea what it even means, Wisconsin is just having some kind of thing where we can't go anywhere now. I don't know. I thought we couldn't go anywhere anyways before. I'm not, I don't really know the difference. You occasionally get pulled over on your way to work, I guess, is the only difference. But anyways, while you're sitting around, and all your friends and family are bored, you know, offer up a suggestion. You know what you could do while you're bored? Most of your family probably doesn't even know what a podcast is or how to, how to utilize one educate them and then just slip in you know packing a podcast it's like you can't just give somebody a nintendo without hooking them up with you know marble madness or something snake rattle and roll something otherwise it's just a box you know for you to stare at i mean what good is it if you don't give them a cartridge to blow into am i right man i miss those those are good days man i'm hoping there's enough people in the audience that understand what i'm talking about Otherwise, I also want to reiterate, if you have Spotify, if you wouldn't mind subscribing to the show on Spotify, that is presumably the only place that um, really cares about how they rank podcasts. And not surprisingly, because I have a fantastic audience, Packernet Podcast is ranked very highly, and I'd like to keep it that way. 
So if you wouldn't mind subscribing, that would be greatly appreciated. Why don't we go ahead and take a break? I'm talking about some stuff. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Every single night, local police departments across America get hundreds of calls from burglar alarms. The vast majority of the time, as I've mentioned, the police aren't really sure what's going on. And the majority of the time when they go check it out, it's not a big deal. And so in the given day-to-day for a police officer when they hear, hey, there's an alarm going off, can you go check it out? The thought process of a cop is, all right, let's go check it out. And then they kind of just head over that direction. There might be a little bit of an adrenaline rush, like, dude, what if... Somebody's in there with a baseball bat smashing the TV. Gotta protect the TV. They might have more TVs. What if they have like six TVs? If I could just save just one, just one, I will have done my job. So maybe a little bit of that. But for the most part, eh. That's why Simply Safe home security is a little bit different. Simply Safe uses real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime. Meaning, instead of getting a call, hey, there's an alarm going off, would you go check it out? And they're like, oh, okay. They get the call, hey man, there's a guy in somebody's house smashing TVs right this second. I can see them on video doing it. Cop is going to be flying. In fact, not cop, cops, whole department heading in that direction, just guns a-blazing. I'm assuming, I don't know. But in all seriousness, the police dispatch, on average, about 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. That's 3.5 times, if, if you'd prefer we go that route. You're going to get comprehensive protection. That includes uh, cameras and doorbells that alert you to people approaching, entry motion glass break sensors to guard the inside, plus you got fire, water damage, and carbon monoxide monitoring. This is live 24-7 monitoring by live security professionals. The absolute best part about this, we're talking 50 cents a day, no contracts, and you can set this thing up by yourself. You don't have to. They'll come out and do it. But it's just that simple. So go to simplysafe.com slash overtime. You'll get free shipping with a 60-day risk-free trial. You got nothing to lose. Go now and be sure to go to simplysafe.com slash overtime so they know our show sent you. That is simplysafe.com slash overtime. So the only real news I wanted to bring up from yesterday is there was some news that came out about Emmanuel Sanders. And again, the idea that basically he had gotten seemingly 
equivalent offers from the Green Bay Packers, the Dallas Cowboys, and the New Orleans Saints. Sanders decided to go to the Saints, and there was a little bit of question why, although you you don't really have to question why a player would want to go to the Saints. But there was an article that came out that said that a, I don't know what percentage of his decision was based on this, but apparently his family, especially his grandma, had mentioned to him prior to free agency that she really, really hopes that he goes to the Saints. And in fact, she would be able to drive to games to see him play for the Saints. The only reason I bring that up is because it's just another layer to the whole, you know, why isn't Gutekunst getting the job done? There are so many variables in everything, and I think we get a little too robotic in our thinking in terms of how things do go, could go, should go. You know, this team has more money, therefore they'll land the player, because they'll pay more and the player just cares about money. Well, no. Every team is just going to play what they think is pay as a, what is a good value, meaning the team with less money might offer more. And the decision behind why players do what they do, there's so many different reasons. You got tax rates, you got weather, you got family, you got whether it's a good or bad team, you got whether or not you're going to be a number one, two, or three wide receiver, whether you're going to be a starting quarterback or a backup quarterback. There's going to be relationships with former players, relationships with, um, with the coaches and the staff. I had heard that a big part of the reason Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay is because of his relationship with Peyton Manning and really respecting what Peyton did with his career and wanting to kind of forge that and, and listening to Peyton when Peyton had talked about, you know, a good place to go. And Peyton, I think, has a relationship with a lot of the guys in Tampa and spoke highly of them. There's just so many weird variables, and it's really just kind of a it's kind of a crapshoot, and, and money is just... It's a piece of the puzzle, but it's, you know, you need to have a lot more to offer. It's also one of the benefits of bringing in different staff because, you, you, you know, you have a lot of different people from a lot of different places. You've touched a lot of different, let me rephrase that. You've coached and played with a lot of different players. It sounds a little better. But anyways, again, I just wanted to bring that up because I know that's going to be a, a mantra. Oh, Gutekunst can't get the job. Da, 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 da. Right, because Gutekunst can compete with Grandma. Nobody competes with grandma, all right? Relax. It's the ultimate trump card. Why are you going there? Because my grandma wants me to go there, dude. Oh, yeah, all right. Understood. So anyways, let's completely change gears here. Um, A while back, I had talked about, I think, a little bit about snap counts and what I had learned from watching different who played what, how many snaps here and there. Some of the conclusions, the Packers had kind of lost confidence in both Marquez Valdez, Scantling, as well as Rashawn Gary, who saw significant snap count drops over toward the end of the season. But anyways, kind of in line with that, there was a question brought up by uh, Brandon in the Facebook group. I'm, I'm almost positive I didn't touch on this. I'll go quick just in case. It, it all blends together. I'm sure I have touched on all these things. But the question was, what is the point of keeping Tremont? We can just put Jair in the slot. And I think the point at the time, although Trufant is now gone, is why not just get a guy like Trufant? But th- th- I think the larger issue is why don't we put Jair in the slot? Because he and he would be very good. That, that, that when we drafted him, the whole thought was he's going to be a slot guy. That's what he was. And so my thought, the something that I had brought up, is maybe he would be a guy that would be sort of an outside-inside guy. In other words, if if he ends up being, because this of course was a question, you never know. If he ends up being a really good corner, he could be a guy that plays in the slot, but then when there's two corners, he ends up going outside as well if he can handle those duties. Now it's he's just outside. So it's not as though he can't. 
it's more likely that he would that would be where he thrives and, and be much better of a corner is in the slot. I believe he went on to say somebody did. I think it was Brand that uh, Josh Jackson does not belong in the slot. Um, I've kind of been saying that for a long time. However, the Packers tend to disagree. They have put him in the slot more than anywhere else. That's where they seem to want him. That's where they seem to think that he would be best. And so that's not really a question for me as much as it is the Packers, I guess. But the biggest issue that I would have with that is that not every team has very good slot receivers. Some do. Some teams do not. And so if you have two guys that are out wide, then it's just King and Jair against their two wide receivers, and it doesn't really matter. If you're going up against, let's say, the Bears, then you've got Allen Robinson on the outside. You've got probably their second best uh, wide receiver, Miller, who's in the slot. And then you got some nobody out on the other end, and then we get whoever, Josh Jackson or whatever guy, Kadar Holman, new guy that we draft, I don't know, somebody else to cover that guy, and it's not a big deal. That's probably the preferable thing to do anyways. The bigger issue is if we just have one guy, Jair, who can handle the slot responsibilities, and and my example at the time was the Vikings, although that's not really the case anymore, but I don't feel like looking for a new one, in which they have two guys that play on the boundary, Thielen and Diggs, and I understand that Thielen can play inside too, but we're saying that they're both on the boundary, and then you get all of B.C. Johnson to play in the slot, which is what the primary, primary three wide receiver set would look like, and now we have our number one corner playing on some guy that's just not good at all, while King goes up against Diggs and Adam Thielen just absolutely carves everybody up. And then what do you hear from the fans? Why isn't Jair covering Thielen? He's carving us up. Why, why don't they make adjustments? Why aren't they doing anything? Because of the terrible plan that we had going into this, saying that he needs to stay in the slot. So it's, it's not the worst, but it could be kind of a nightmare at some point if he's the only guy. And although the Vikings, again, they're, they're not even an example anymore because they hardly ever went three wide receivers and... Um, even now it wouldn't matter because they lost Stefan Diggs. But it would become a problem for any team that just has two really good boundary receivers. Now, ultimately, at the end of the day, it still doesn't matter all that much because no matter what the alignment, we're still better off than back in the Demarius Randall days, uh, you know, Randall and Rollins and, and Gunter. No matter how you line these guys up, we're still better than those days. But my preference would be to... I shouldn't even say my preference is to bring, bring back Tremont because, I mean, I, I do want him back because he's a very good corner. But at the same time, you do kind of get to that point where you need to start coming up with something. You know, I, I talked about how hard it is to find replacements. But at the same time, you do expect to start having somebody replace somebody. It can't be every single time we lose somebody, there's nobody there to replace them. You know, we do have to start doing that. And if you wanted to get, you know, after Gutekunst about something, you could look at the fact that we went out in free agency and got two pass rushers and then drafted a pass rusher at 12. That's three high-end resources allocated to essentially, I mean, technically two positions, but really one position, pass rush. We could have expended something at another position. And so now we're kind of in this rut. Granted, he did a fantastic job of we had a lot of holes and he filled the holes. It's just that, you know, again, there's nobody filling any of these other positions. So we need to find a solution, but do I have a problem bringing back Tremont? Of course not. Again, Tremont was via PFF, the best corner we had on the entire team. He doesn't get any credit, and nobody believes that, but you tell me how many times you just watched Tremont get completely tore up. You can remember Jair getting gutted for 150 yards. You remember King having that happen several times. You can't remember one time Tremont got absolutely lit up. If you want to argue that's because he never went up against the better, I, I can show you. 
Because I doubt there's any game in which there was a wide receiver he didn't go up against. They mix and match all over the place. That's why even the whole discussion about who goes in the slot is a little bit... It's it's Because it's never that black and white. Everybody goes everywhere. Everybody covers everybody. And if they don't move, the wide receivers move. So everybody's going to end up going up against everybody. So I would like Tremont back. And uh, ideally we get him back for one year, but then really try to focus on finding a replacement, which, again, is easier said than done. Because then we go back and, and, you know, I could just sit here and say, well, you need a solution. Okay, first round, do we get a corner? Oh, no, 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 no. How about the first three rounds? No, 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 we got bigger priorities. Okay, so so you don't want to actually take this seriously then. Well, let's just pay mo- We don't have any money. And I thought we were getting a wide receiver. Well, yeah, I mean, we're going to get a wide receiver, but we could also get a corner. Okay, name a corner number one. Number two, find me some money. Exactly. So, this again, this is the predicament. And I'll be honest, I, I, I still think one of the best options might be to trade back out of 30. As much as, and it, it, you can't just say that definitively going in. You got to see who's available. If there's somebody that's a very good value at 30, you take them. But it's got to be at least appealing to trade back and possibly pick up, an, you know, another, I don't know what. I mean, we wouldn't have to go back that far to get a third round pick out of it. If we were okay with a late third round pick, let's see who actually has a late third round that we could trade back and get possibly we could go back to 36 and get the Giants pick number 99. Maybe. It's a little bit rich, but that's the situation where we go back, let's see, well, six spots, fairly easy math, and pick up an additional third-round pick for it. We get two second-round picks, two third-round picks. Again, you don't go into it saying that's what we're going to do because you got to see how these things unfold. However, it would be nice to take several swings at this thing. And we're talking about second and third round, especially the positions we're looking for. You know, offensive tackle is a different situation. It's going to be hard second and third round to get studly tackles. And uh, I talked about Orlando Brown as being one of the guys that was a good value, and he was a third round pick, which kind of goes against that whole thing. But Orlando Brown fell because he did like four push-ups. Right? It was it was it was an unbelievably embarrassing effort on the bench. I think he did like 12 reps or something like that. And it just blew everybody away. Like, what is going on? This guy has no functional strength whatsoever. And so it kind of got people wondering if he's just this big, overweight guy that kind of got in people's way, but he's going to get muscled around. I don't know what exactly the thought process was. And now, especially considering scouts look at the, the bench as being a useless exercise anyways, people freaked out apparently too much. He fell all the way to the third, got picked up, and... Bottom line is, prior to the combine when he did the bench, he was he was a first-round guy. Based on the tape and everything else, he, he was always considered a first-round talent. And he's playing like a first-round talent. So, you know, if, unless somebody falls that's a tackle out of the first round, I, I still believe it's very, very rare. I know it's very rare to get a tackle out of the first round. But aside from that, if we're good with Rat Wagner for a little bit, when you're looking at linebackers, when you're looking at wide receivers, second and third round, all day. Then you throw in corner, tackle, defend I mean, you know, defensive tackle, guard. I don't think that's, you know, interior offensive line I don't think is is settled by any stretch of the imagination. By the way, since we're on the topic, can we stop talking about trading Lane Taylor, please? I mean, you don't have to, but I I just I don't think that's a good idea. I understand that he's a backup that has some value, so it's like, well, let's trade him. Again, first of all, and I I, I was not the biggest Lane Taylor defender because I thought he was a great kind of backup, and he is, and I don't mind him being a backup, but he's better than Billy Turner is. And the fact of the matter is, if he plays poorly again, forget the four-year contract. I don't know if he plays in 2021. There's four and a half million of dead money out of eight million, so the Packers would save three and a half million, but more than that, they'd be just unloading 
Billy Turner. And we'll see. Maybe he'll take a step. But again, I didn't really like Billy Turner because he's been with two different teams. He's never really been any good. The idea that he was better at tackle than guard is, is also not true. I don't know if I talked about that or not, but let's just dispel that myth. It's not true. He did have some good games at tackle. He also had some good games at guard, but for the most part, he's just not very good. He came over here. He's still not very good. And again, the idea just in general that he struggles against defensive tackles, but you put him outside against guys like Khalil Mack and Von Miller and Daniil Hunter, he will really shine. I Come on now. Come on now. So again, interior wouldn't be the worst option. As many second and third round swings as you can take, I'm all for that. By the way, if the Packers wanted to get a second round pick out of trading back, the only team I could see doing that for would be Baltimore. And Baltimore picks at 55, but they also have pick 60. I think packaging 55 and 60 would get you to 30, and then the Packers would have 55, 60, and 62. Not sure I super like that, and I doubt Baltimore would want to do that. But just in case anyone was wondering, how do we get an additional second? You would have to go to the back of the second and find a team that has two picks at the back of the second. The only team I can see, see that has that is Baltimore, just in case anyone was wondering. And if you want an earlier third, a team like Tampa Bay would make sense. And actually, considering that I know they have Tom Brady, but, you know, although that would send a bad signal, but Tom Brady, or Tampa Bay, TB, there you go, Tampa Bay would be kind of more of moving to the middle second and getting an earlier third option. All I'm really doing is looking at the trade value chart, and there's a there's a trade value chart called the Rich Hill value chart, which apparently is more updated based on more recent trades that have taken place, so it's supposed to be a little bit more realistic of, of how trades are done today than the traditional one that you'll find if you just Google it. So it's the Rich Hill trade value chart. Go play with it yourself, see what you can figure out. And by the way, and this kind of fits nicely, it's a little too, too late to answer this question directly, but Jason had asked a question... Um, about a week-ish ago, about the possibility of sliding Billy Turner out to right tackle. Now, my response to that would have been something to the effect of, no, that's not going to happen because Billy Turner's not capable of that. But now that we've already seen the result, the Packers have kind of answered that question for us. I don't think there was ever any intention of moving Billy Turner to right tackle, especially after the year that he had last year. And so now it, th- th- there can be no doubt. Billy Turner is a guard. That's it. The question is, is he going to step up and be a better guard and we keep him for the duration of his contract, or do we start looking at an exit plan sooner than later? Also, there is this common theme that he, the, the intention was always to move him to guard, or excuse me, to move him to tackle, and you can tell because of how much money they gave him. Billy Turner is the 22nd highest paid guard in football. He was not given tackle money. He was given guard money. 21 other guards have a lot higher paid salaries than him. He gets $8 million a year. The highest paid guards get almost $15 million a year. Brandon Scherf and Joe Thune. Brandon Brooks is getting $14 million. Zach Martin's getting $14 million. Andrew Norwell, 13. Andrus Pete is 11.5. You get the point, right? It's it's a lot of money for a guard. It was obviously way too much, but it's 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 not tackle money. Lane Taylor is five and a half. He's a backup that got promoted to guard just because. He's getting five and a half. So no, eight is not tackle money. He would be the 27th highest paid tackle in football. Um, tackle money is north of 10, especially if we we're talking what do we get him when he was 27. So you figure a 27-year-old that you think is going to take over for ta- at tackle and you give him eight million? No, sorry. Not saying it's impossible and if injuries stack up, we feel like we have no other options, which is kind of the point of why we need more 
offensive lineman in the draft. But I, I don't think the Packers have any desire, and I think the only time we see Billy Turner at tackle is if everything has completely fallen apart and we are just in dire straits. Anyways, kind of piggybacking off that, I did a little experiment or a project or whatever you want to call it a few weeks ago, a week ago, and I feel like this would be a relevant time to do that. The question I had, and it's really very much open to interpretation, but at which point is which position a concern? In other words, when do we need to start worrying about these positions? Now, we know what we need this year. The question is, when do we need to start worrying about replacing other positions? And this is the thing that, you know, again, as a GM, you need to be looking at not just what are this year's needs, but the upcoming needs. And so really all I did was look at when are people's contracts running out? Now, I also went ahead and did a couple extensions, which, for example, David Bakhtiari is not a guarantee, but I, I, I made some assumptions about players that are going to be extended just because I want to actually look at when do people need to be replaced. And if, for example, Kevin King gets an extension, David Bakhtiari gets an extension, Elton Jenkins, after his rookie season, gets his second contract, things like that, we don't really need to really start panicking. So, with that in mind, for this year, we've got wide receiver two, tight end, arguably, fullback, which I put in prior to uh, the Danny Vitale thing, just because I didn't really know if that was going to be... I just kind of had a feeling. And even if he wasn't gone, he probably still needed to be replaced. Uh, I've got DT2, defensive tackle 2, and linebacker. Now, the the issue going forward next year that I have is Corey Lindsley. Now, I've talked about possibly trading him or, or releasing him to, to free up a little bit of money. We might not do that, especially in dire straits with offensive line. However, I don't think he's going to get an extension. Meaning, as of next year, and if we don't solve these problems... We've got to figure out what to do at right guard because, again, ideally we move on from from Billy Turner after this year. We don't have a center, and we don't have a right tackle. I mean, he's under contract, but we kind of need to get that solved. Also, I should have moved up right tackle because I just assumed Billy Brian Balaga would get an extension, so that was one I was already wrong about. So we'll add that to the 2021 list because, ideally, we, we have that solved by then. So right away, offensive line is becoming a problem. In 2022, the only one I had was Brian Balaga. Which really, the, the good thing about this is, you look at all the needs we have right now, in 2021 and 2022, there's there's not much in terms of we're in a lot of trouble. And, and part of the benefit of that is, as we've talked about you know, quite a while ago, but the fact that this is a very young team. Especially if you look at the defense, you look at the fact that Gutekunst went out and got 26-year-olds instead of 32-year-olds. The, the, one of the bigger benefits of that is, we're not going to have a massive exodus of players. There, there could be some. Things could change, things could evolve, players get hurt, players need to get traded, whatever. Players get cut that we weren't anticipating that creates holes. But a lot of guys are not scheduled to be or expected to be gone anytime soon. So we definitely need to work on offensive line. And I didn't, for example, put CB3, cornerback 3, or safety 3, or any of that stuff. So those could be sort of minor needs. But that's it from 21 and 22. Then 2023, we get an uptick. I've got Billy Turner down. Again, although I think he might be gone prior to that. Um, Preston Smith, because I, I don't see him making it much beyond that. Adrian Amos and Mason Crosby. So it's not until 2023, and we probably still don't need to worry too much if Zadarius sticks around, which hopefully he does. I have him down for another two years. And we have Rashawn, who is supposed to be the So So that plan is already in place. We don't really need to plan for it. However, again, Billy Turner, which we kind of already talked about, but 
again, one of the biggest things we got going forward is offensive line. And it is one of the most important and underappreciated aspects of a football team. It seems like nobody appreciates offensive line, but it's unbelievable. Again, an offense does two things, run and pass. You can't do either without an offensive line. So that should be a pretty big priority. And then again, Amos and Mason Crosby. I don't really see any reason why, and I think I mentioned this yesterday, we wouldn't be constantly just undrafted free agents bringing in kickers. I don't want Mason Crosby gone because he's Mason Crosby, but just in terms of due diligence, everybody talks about how we, oh, you could just pick up undrafted free, you can kick, pick up kickers anywhere. Blah, 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 right, exactly, sure. Now, I'm not making the case that drafting kickers is better than undrafted free agent kickers. I had assumed that that was the case. I went and looked at it. Almost every top-tier kicker, like legendary kickers, were undrafted free agents. Not all of them. I think Janikowski was drafted. He was incredible. But, and there's probably a higher hit rate. There's a lot of undrafted free agent kickers that get picked up that just never are there. But most of the best kickers you find are undrafted free agents. So they're out there. I don't see any reason not to just continually bring them in and hope that you can hit. And then when you do, we move on from Mason. Because it's going to happen at some point. So that would be sort of my plan for kicker. Every single year, undrafted free agents were bringing in as many kickers to compete as possible. Adrian Amos. Now, the good thing about this is we use multiple safeties. There's no reason we don't continually try to bring in safeties to be our number three safety that acts as a replacement for Adrian Amos when that time comes. And then, unfortunately, 2024 is when everything completely falls apart. Aaron Rodgers, um, he will officially be a free agent at that point at 40 years old. That's assuming he's not already gone at that point. Again, I'm, I'm making a lot of assumptions. Also got Devontae Adams will be a free agent. You got Aaron Jones will be a free agent. We'll see again how long that lasts. David Bakhtiari, if we do end up giving him an extension, I had him go until 2024, which isn't great timing, but it's just kind of how it landed. And then the biggest kicker of them all, Hunter Bradley our long snapper. So this is kind of, I guess what you would say, our window, right? And the good thing is, again, Brian Gutekunst is setting it up that we're not losing a lot of players in this window, so we should be able to just build, 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 build. Outside of offensive line, we should be able to just try to stack talent. However, 2024, I kind of see as, as possibly a teardown year, depending on if we have a quarterback waiting in the wings, ready to go. Now, let's say we do. The benefit of this we're going to have to continue to get offensive line. That includes tackles because David Bakhtiari, and we'll t I want to talk probably not today, but it's been brought up to me by, um, I don't remember exactly where, I think it's text. Eric, maybe? Sorry, I, don't, I just, I don't, I get a lot of messages. But the idea that David Bakhtiari is not going to get an extension, he's not actually going to get another contract. I do want to explore that a little further, but it is possible. Either way, I still think that this is, is something that is mitigated so that it doesn't completely fall off in 2024. Again, offensive line, we've got to keep going. Otherwise, what are we talking about? A running back, which, I mean, and again, that's assuming Aaron Jones gets an extension. I don't even know that he does. This would be until Aaron Jones is 30, by the way. I, I kind of think that's not going to happen, but I also don't think that's going to be the end of the world. You know, I, I, I really like Aaron Jones. I really want him to stay, but I think it's been pretty well laid out that it's just unnecessary so that's one of the things another thing that we should be continually taking late round swings at fourth round fifth round at running back because the hit rate isn't that terrible Aaron Jones himself I think was a fourth round fourth or fifth round I don't remember I think fourth no I, I don't think so Dexter was a or um I think Jamal was a fourth Aaron was a fifth I don't know but really we're already planning for wide receiver and we might keep Devontae but this would be when Devontae is 31 years old I'd given him an extension as well to 31 so we're already planning on bringing in wide receivers. If we try to bring in a... I mean, if, if we don't have a quarterback, we're doomed either way. 
But the point is, let's say we do bring in a quarterback that's not terrible. We draft a quarterback that's ready and, and will. Does this have to be something where we fall apart? Aaron Jones will be replaced by then. We're going to be bringing in wide receivers, so Devontae should have a replacement by then. David Bakhtiari will be gone, but hopefully we've been adding offensive. I don't think this has to be quite as dire. But the thing is, this is this is sort of the spectrum. And I went out to 2025, 20, 26, and 27, for example. Uh, Zadarius, 2025. 20, uh, I have him until 32 years old. Um, Jair, 2025, 20, at 30 years old. At 2026, 20, I've got Elton Jenkins at 31 years old. 2026, 20, I've got Kenny Clark at 31 and J.K. Scott at 30. And then 2027, 20, I've got Jair at 30 and Darnell Savage at 30. Which is kind of crazy to think about. We could have Jair Alexander, possibly even longer, but until 2027. Same with Darnell Savage, just because they're so ridiculously young right now. But anyways, the good thing is this isn't super dire. Again, it's a young team. It just comes down to hit rate and cap management as well. And that's going to be a big thing too is what is the future of the salary cap going to look like for the Green Bay Packers to be able to just grab a couple little holes here. The biggest thing that needs to happen again, offensive line, Otherwise, I, I don't see much other than, you know, at some point gearing up, whether it's 2021, 2022, 2023 at the latest, we start looking at getting a quarterback. But what else seems dire here? Nothing. Again, we're, we're already planning on wide receiver. I don't see any reason why we wouldn't be planning for safety. So hopefully that's, I mean, that's not going to be a big issue when those guys leave. I mean, of course, Devontae leaving is not going to be great. Aaron Jones, again, the, the plan is already to replace him. This isn't as bad as I was expecting. I expected like in 2022 it was going to be, oh no, we're in a lot of trouble. There just isn't. And again, it depends. If David Bakhtiari doesn't get an extension, then we don't have a left tackle, we don't have a right tackle, we don't have a guard, we're in a lot of trouble. But um, yeah, after looking at this, I, I just I, I really think offensive line is just the biggest issue right now. And I don't mean necessarily for 2020, but it's one of those things that if we don't proactively go after offensive line, this is going to be our, our we're, we're going to be the Vikings. We're going to be the Texans. We're going to be that team just has a garbage offensive line. And the Packers have almost never had that. Even going back into the 90s, they just had great offensive lines for Brett Favre. And then there was a different, you know, I remember when, when we got new offensive linemen, I was like angry about it. Because you get so used to just this unit. It's the same guys. And then you get somebody else that's like, oh, this guy's garbage. And then he just becomes one of the guys and is part of this great unit again. And it slowly morphs and transforms over the years. And there were a couple down years with, you know, a couple not great pieces. But, man, the amount of just great offensive line. And I, I just, I don't want that to stop. It's incredibly important for this team. But anyways, that was sort of my takeaway. I will plan on uh, putting this up. And you can do your own. I mean, this, I mean, it's just for your perusal. Again, I made some assumptions here that are probably wrong. I'm already disagreeing with myself on Aaron Jones. Brian Balaga's already gone. You know, you can do this little exercise yourself. It's just a good way to kind of visualize the future, not just what are today's needs, but when are we in dire need of solving other problems. And again, the only dire need I see is offensive line. But I'll plan on putting that up in uh, Patreon. I also updated my uh, my big board yesterday, so I will be putting that up in uh, Patreon. And then tomorrow, I think we're going to talk about that. Thought about doing it today, but I figured I'd try to catch up on a couple things. So tomorrow, that will be the plan. We'll we'll dive into the latest iteration of the big board for the draft, what the changes were, and maybe talk about a few of these prospects. So, by the way, I'm going to try to scour the Facebook group for specifically for draft questions. I know there's a bunch hanging out there, but tomorrow's going to be a draft day. So if you have some questions, throw it in there. If you already asked one, maybe throw it in a second time just in case I can't find it. Because, you know, if it was a couple weeks old, I'm probably not going to go back that far. But anyways, I'm going to cut it there. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Tuesday. 
If you're going a little stir-crazy, feel free to reach out. I got the uh, in the uh, description of the show, there is a phone number. It's not my personal phone number. It's a Google thing, so you can either leave a voice message or a text message, preferably football-related, but that would be a good way to reach out. Anyways, you guys take care. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.